back does your memory go? At what age did that one thing, whether it was something that you heard or saw or felt, stick out in your mind? I believe my earliest memory goes back to when I was no more than three years old. My family, together with my grandparents, my aunt, and my cousin, set out for Galveston. And I, I remember the beach, and I remember the tents, and I remember the sand. Just as we had all laid down to sleep, the sand came. Strong winds blowing from the ocean whipped up the sand and zipped up inside of our tent. The wind tightly shut out. The sand still came in. The sand blasted my eyes and got into my mouth, and it was painful, and it was gross. And I clutched my yellow security blanket. And I remember my aunt grabbing me, taking me inside our maroon Toyota minivan with sunroof. <laughs> but there wasn't enough room for everyone in the van. All three kids and my aunt could just fit inside laying down. The others were left to the whims of the wind and to these blowing grains of misery. To this day, when I mention that day, my mother remembers her own vehicle and her own sister free from the sand while she lingered on outside. Our memories can dust up all kinds of unresolved feelings. And it's on today, on Easter, we dust off this unresolved question, is resurrection for real? Lingering over the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is this essential human question. What happens when we die? Aside from taxes, death is the one shared human experience. We are instinctively afraid of death. After all, we are made to survive, to cling to life in whatever way we can, and the idea that there is an end is deeply disturbing. In the words of theologian Paul Tillich, the frightful presence of death subjects man to bondage and servitude all of his life. And so we slave away, pickling and preserving ourselves as best we can. God speaks to our mortal crisis and gives the answer we seek in Jesus. And we read the witness of men and of women who saw Jesus dead and touched him resurrected and living once more. The implications for us are huge. If the death of a physical body is not the end for Jesus, fully human like us, then the death of the physical body is not the end for us either. But it is hard to believe. It's nothing short of a posthumous survival of the immaterial soul or life after death. It defies reason and logic. It depends solely on experience revealed to Jesus' followers centuries past. Dust. Dust is easy to believe in, but life newfound worth for people written off as dirt 
it's a little bit harder to swallow. If we remember, there was a time when America was covered in dust. They called it the Dirty Thirties, the 1930s. Over 100 million acres of farm land just blew away with the wind. Clouds of dust spread across the country, blanketing cities in darkness. Tens of thousands of families abandoned their farms, refugees in search of direction, in search of food, and in search of hope. Now the novel, The Grapes of Wrath, takes place during this dust bowl. And at one particular point of hopelessness, a farm refugee from Kansas says to the preacher, I'm just pain, covered with skin. Hurting people felt like dirt, and they wondered if their hurt would ever go away. And as you can see, their hopes were literally buried. Entombed beneath the dust of the lives they lived before. With perpetual dust in your eyes, it's awfully hard to believe you'll ever see again. Now the Apostle Paul lived many days with dust in his own eyes. And after this blinding experience, Jesus is revealed to him. So Paul journeys from town to town, sharing this Jesus dead and resurrected, and hostility and conflict greet him wherever he goes. Paul is carried to Athens as a place of safety from all of this conflict. In dusty darkness, hope in Christ shines through, and he preaches hope there. In the local synagogue and in the marketplace, his preaching even earns him an invitation to the Areopagus, a place which literally means the big rock of Ares. And you can see why it is called that it is a rock. In Greek mythology, Ares, the god of war, was put on trial at this very place for the murder of Poseidon's son. And it's fitting that it becomes a local court and a debating assembly of philosophy and religion. And in Paul's day, the Romans renamed this place Mars Hill, after the Roman god of war. It's there at Mars Hill that Paul makes the case for Jesus. And Paul says that the god of creation has set our time and our place so that we may search for and find him. That Jesus is the connection between the eternal and the mortal, the everlasting and the dying. But when Paul mentions the resurrection, they scoff. They've already answered their questions about death. These Greek philosophers have found freedom from fear of death. They ignore totally the suffering of the body, and they obtain knowledge and free the soul. In other words, when and where there's pain, they think about something else. But Paul says, through Jesus we acknowledge our bodily suffering, and through Jesus our broken bodies rise with the Spirit. God sees our pain, and through Jesus reaches out and pulls us up. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. We are sown a physical body. We are raised a spiritual body. Somehow God transforms us into new beings. 
God does not require what is rotting in the ground to give us a new body. Our spiritual body is fleshed out. It's hard to understand it without experiencing it first. But we do have the experiences of Jesus' followers long ago who saw and heard and touched Jesus' body transformed. This past week, a dust storm in the Sahara Desert transformed a vacation paradise. The wind currents carried sand to the north and to the east across the Mediterranean Sea to Greece. And you can see even the beach was covered in orange dust. A place like Mars Hill was made to look otherworldly, well, like Mars. On a dusty day like that, it's a challenge to find life. It is seemingly impossible to believe in better days when all is obscured and gloomy around us and fear sets in. Fear that time itself is, is only a quickening death march. But we deal with our fear by clinging to hope. We believe in the power of resurrection, and it's the reason for the hope that is in us. We believe that we are more than dirt to God. We believe that when we feel as pain covered with skin, God hears our cry and God answers. We believe in brokenness healed and made whole. And in us, God does a new thing. Every wound that we have now mended is resurrection. Every joy, even in the midst of sorrow, is new life. Every time we think we can continue no more, yet we make it through, that's God's saving grace. And we know what it is like to be transformed and to be made whole. While some scoff, God takes those who are written off and God breathes life into them once more. And as the challenges roll in, we have the hope of resurrection and we shake off the dust. We resolve to be more than just dust in the wind. As Christ rose, we rise from all of this buried pain and this misery of a broken world. And we know that in life and in death and in resurrection, we belong to God. As Jesus stood for love on the rock of Calvary, as Paul stood for life on the rock of Mars Hill, we stand on lives of jagged rocks and hopelessness, and we hope. We hope in the one who raises valleys and makes the rough places plain. In light of the empty tomb, when the way is hidden by dust, will you fear death, or will you hope in resurrection? That's the essential question on this Easter day. Amen.